This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, a very, very good one. Apparently, I said the time wrong. What did I just? What did I say it was? Did I say 7.23? Well, I really meant 7.43, but now I lie because now it's 7.45. So there you have it, because it keeps changing. You know what? How do you get it right when it keeps changing? Anthony Reich, a very good morning. How are you? Yeah, um... With, with quite a lot of rain over the last uh, 24 hours and more predicted uh, for the coming few days, I would say. I think the rainy weather is only expected to clear up sometime after the weekend. And of course, uh, we do think about people who are outside at the moment in this weather, um, our soldiers, the refugees, people who um, are displaced from their homes. Um, it's cold, it's wet. Um, so let's just spare a thought for all of them. Uh, the UNRWA train continues mm. to mm. roll down the track and it's interesting that the head of UNRWA has now come out um, addressing the fact that so many countries have uh, decided to cut their contributions to UNRWA rather than address the main issue which is why they've decided to cut their contributions um, he has chosen to say well um, in another month or so UNRWA will run out of funds and then Israel will have to be responsible for looking after people in Gaza. And I think there's a simple response to that, which is if UNRWA hadn't spent so much of its money feeding terrorism and contributing towards Hamas, they would probably have more money to deal with innocent civilians. Um, and to the extent that UNRWA has been feeding Hamas, um, Israel would be happy not to continue to uh, keep funding that. Um, so yeah, the, the UNRWA story is really not going to go away. And interestingly, there are some Israelis who are saying, look, um, in spite of the terrible uh, contribution that UNRWA has made to the terrorism infrastructure and the support of Hamas and the extent to which UNRWA employees have been involved in this, uh, all of these activities, there is still some good that UNRWA has done. Um, and if you take that away, then it will cause damage. And so there are people who are saying, look, we need to be a little bit cautious about um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and uh, discarding some of the good work that UNRWA has done because uh, potentially that will also uh, come to an end. Um, but uh, UNRWA, we'll, we will continue to talk about that. I just wanted to start um, with a slightly more meaty um, off the topic topic. Um, and we've heard a lot of reports from the U.S. Ivy League universities about anti-Semitism mm, mm, on the campus. And mm. we've seen those congressional hearings and so on. But let's look a little closer to home and let's look at university campuses 
Let's look at university campuses in Israel. Um, and in particular, there was an interesting report about the University of Haifa, which is not to be confused with the Technion, okay. which is also in mm. Haifa. There are two separate universities right. in Haifa. One is the Technion and one is the University of Haifa. And of course, Haifa being a very mixed city with many, many Arab residents, it's unsurprising that the University of Haifa, which has a student body of 17 thousand students it's unsurprising that half of them are israeli arabs in this apartheid country should i add <laughs> right. um, half of the students on that campus are israeli arabs and up until now the campus has been regarded as a good example of coexistence where israeli arabs and israeli jews manage to live together study together and keep a very diverse uh, culture on the campus all in peace but of course with the events of the last few months a lot of that has changed and the first thing that has changed is of course that something like one and a half thousand students from that campus were called up to reserve duty um, in addition to that quite a number of Israeli Arabs have come out supporting Hamas very very uh, um, publicly on social media and, and, and making some very extreme statements in their support of Hamas. And so when the university restarted its, uh, its academic year somewhat belatedly at the end of December, um, there was an attempt to somehow try to address this anomaly that uh, reserve soldiers returning from Gaza, that people who have had friends and family killed on October the 7th, that people in the uh, amongst the student body have relatives and friends who are kidnapped in Gaza right now will need to sit alongside Arabs who are supportive of, of Hamas. Wow. And in fact, wow. yeah. um, something like a hundred of those students were brought to disciplinary hearings over their public support of Hamas. And it is reported that something like eight of the students were actually expelled from the university, although um, some of them apparently were reinstated. But there is a lot of controversy and tension on the campus because what's also happened is that an extreme right-wing group has popped up on the campus calling for the right not to have to live and to deal with Arabs in light of um, the attacks that took place on October the 7th and subsequent to that, saying they want to separate away from mm. the Arab population because they feel that there's distrust, they don't trust each other, Jews don't trust Arabs being around them, the Arabs feel sensitive about being around Jews. There is a great deal of tension on the campus of the University of Haifa and indeed on campuses around Israel in general because of the mixed nature of the student body and because of the fact that there are Israeli Arabs who are taking up on their right as citizens of Israel to study in institutions of higher education and still feel that they have the right to support a terror group like Hamas, not privately at home, not amongst their family, but publicly and protesting on the university campus, holding up posters, supporting the uh, activities uh, and supporting the terror group that has undertaken these activities. Yeah, it's fascinating. What do you think? 34519-0618951019. Should students at universities across Israel be allowed to openly support Hamas? 
Uh, where is there a line? Where is, and if there is a line, where is it? 34519 or 061-895-1019. It's always the difficulty uh, trying to find a balance between free speech, between something, hearing something that you find abhorrent versus uh, hate speech where, or, or speech that becomes dangerous. Reports have been published that the IDF are flooding tunnels in Gaza. So is this new and uh, how, how, how's it being managed? Well, uh, I think it's new to the extent that the IDF are now actually confirming mm. that they are doing it rather than it's an idea, it's an intention, it's a possibility. Now there is even a name that's been given to this project, which is called Project Atlantis for good reason. And um, the reports say that pumps are being used to pump water from the sea into tunnels. And the IDF has been at pains to point out that they've done a lot of engineering work before they finally flood these tunnels with seawater. They examine the environment, uh, consider, uh, environmental considerations of that particular tunnel. They uh, examine the construction of the tunnel and the entrances to the tunnel and they try somehow to find a good match in a way that will allow them to destroy the tunnel by flooding it with water and there's quite a lot of detail that has been released about the idf about exactly how they go about this um, but it seems as if though this is very very real and that it is not something that can necessarily be used across the board for all of the tunnels we know that um, the extent the, the the tunnel network under Gaza is massive and extensive, and it is not appropriate or even possible to use this methodology to flood all the tunnels. In fact, many of the tunnels are being exploded. Many of the tunnels contain explosives, and so using an explosive device to get rid of the tunnel and its contents is sometimes a better solution, and potentially even more damaging, uh, giving you know rendering longer-term damage to it so that it can't be reconstructed any time in the near future. Obviously, the tunnels that are closer to the coastline are the ones that are more amenable to the use mm, of mm. flooding from the sea because the moment you start getting too far away from the coastline, the, the whole pumping operation becomes a lot more difficult. The, the, the IDF is saying that they're studying all the different kinds of topography to see where it will be most valuable to destroy the tunnels in this way. So. This is something which is definitely real, um, and the IDF, as I say, have confirmed it in, in all kinds of uh, co uh, confirmations and, and, and uh, reports that have been issued about what they're doing. So, yeah, I was just wondering what the listeners yeah, think about I, I, well, using of, this method. I think lots of questions about the hostages. I, th I think that seems to be the biggest fear because, they, you know, they're this labyrinth. Yeah, one tunnel leading to another, leading to another. Uh, how how are the hostages protected in all of this? So I think the first answer and the simplest answer is, of course, that it's impossible to guarantee protection of the hostages when you are mounting a full-scale war as in the way that we are doing right now in Gaza and um, using air and soldiers on the ground, aeroplane, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Israeli Air Force and soldiers on the ground and artillery to destroy terror infrastructure. And especially when we're not exactly sure where the hostages are being kept. Now, there's a lot of intelligence that has been gained from those hostages who were released as to where they were held and what the methodology was that was employed to keep them. There's also a lot of intelligence that's been gained from people, who, uh, terrorists who've been arrested 
over the course of um, this operation, uh, during the course of this war, and they've managed to gain a lot of information from them about the movement of the hostages and where they're most likely to be kept. So I have little doubt that everything that the IDF does, including attacking from the air, including attacking from the ground, and of course, including flooding of tunnels, will have taken into consideration the possibility that hostages may get in the way. Um, and they are obviously doing whatever they can in order to try to avoid that. And I'm sure between the lines, one of the reasons why a tunnel might not be um, available, might not be relevant for flooding, is potentially because there might be hostages there. I'm sure that that is one of the reasons, even though it's not specifically stated. But I have little doubt that that is true. So um, I have no doubt in my mind, even though this has not been specifically addressed, that the safety of the hostages is paramount. And in every statement, even now that the Prime Minister is making, he's saying that our job, our objective in this war is in the first instance to rescue our hostages, all of them, and the second job is to destroy Hamas. And of course, we've already discussed the possibility that those two objectives may well be contradictory and may well lead to opposite um, outcomes on the other side, um, but somehow there is an attempt to try to manage both of these in parallel. A few people have asked this question, uh, and it goes back to the issue of uh, Israeli intelligence. Larry says, good morning. I'm not sure if you've asked this question. Why did Israel and other Western countries never see Hamas uh, by using the satellites, uh, satellites removing tons and tons of sand to build the tunnels? Where did they hide it? Where did they remove the sand to? Surely there should have been signs uh, as to the extent of the tunnel operation. Mm. So um, I think that that intelligence did know about the tunnel construction. Certainly the existence of the tunnels was no surprise to uh, the Israeli forces. Maybe the extent of the tunnels might have been a surprise and how long and how uh, extensive they are, that may well have been a surprise. But the fact that these tunnels existed and the extent of them um, came as really little surprise. The problem, so, so then the next question is an obvious one, right? Why were the tunnels not destroyed as soon as they were constructed? Mm. And the simple answer to that relates to the way in which they would, would this was done. Because as we know, many of these tunnels are constructed in civilian areas and you could just imagine let's go let's try and wind our minds back to a year ago or two years ago when there was sort of some level of coexistence and um, we couldn't have imagined the israeli air force or the idea of going into gaza at that point clearing out entire neighborhoods of civilians and saying we're doing this because we're going to destroy the tunnel that's being dug underneath your feet right now underneath the civilian area, underneath the hospital. Could you imagine the idea of having gone into the hospital a year or two ago without the pretext of what happened on October the 7th, without that justification in an attempt to try to destroy the tunnels? Uh, Hamas, of course, knew this and a lot of the tunnel infrastructure was underneath facilities like hospitals. And even after the October the 7th massacre, when the justification seemed to be obvious to many of us, there were still questions being asked about IDF activity in and around hospital areas. And we are still getting questions today about IDF activities in and around hospital areas, even though the existence of the terror network under the tunnel is absolutely 
obvious and clear to anybody who wishes just to look at it in an objective way. So I don't know how the IDF could have responded, even if mm, they'd known, mm. and I'm sure that they did know, about the tunnels being built. How do people think the response could have come to that situation? I have no idea because I don't yeah. think the world would have tolerated no, in the definitely least not. any, definitely any, not. any I mean, action against that. If, if, if they've reacted this way uh, after the brutality and the the vengeance of the 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 hatred of of uh, October seventh, uh, there's there's just no way they would have accepted any of this. There's no chance. And I think that's the point. Mm. And I think that's the point. And I think that Hamas really used that and took advantage of that situation in the way that they constructed these tunnels. Uh, indeed. Let's talk about this uh, assassination. Oh, we can't. What do you mean it's 801, Mukundi? Mukundi's like gesturing at, I don't know why he's suddenly so full of beans this morning, but it's actually 801. How did it get you? I, I, there was so much more I wanted to talk to Anthony about. All right, we'll have to hold it over until tomorrow. Anthony, I apologize. Um, I, could keep, uh, I could keep doing this. Anthony Reich, thank you as always. That was the Israel Report. We'll catch Anthony tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Yeah.